Welcome into Opportunity Detroit, brought to you by Rocket Mortgage. On today's show, you'll meet the founder of Bon Bon Bon, a great chocolate business with a big Detroit footprint. Beach parties and many other activities are back at Campus Martius, and the 22nd annual Veg Fest at Eastern Market is just around the corner. A great show about what's happening in and around the D, coming up right after these messages. Welcome into Opportunity Detroit. I'm Ann Thomas, and our first guest is Alexandra Clark. She's the founder of Bon Bon Bon. Alexandra, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's so good to be here. Just tell our listeners about this business, Bon Bon Bon. Oh, my gosh. Well, we're actually almost 10 years old, which I just thought of this morning while I was watering my plants. (laughs) I can't believe it. And we started as this little tiny chocolate shop. And by we, I mean me and one of my best friend's little sisters in the back room of the Hamtramck Coney Island, which is the space I just found because it was across the street from my best friend's grandpa's house. And we just started making chocolate that was as good as possible. The goodest chocolate we could possibly make using things like packaging sourced locally and chocolate that was traceable and paid a high price and ingredients that were delicious. And and since then, these little tiny bonbons have just kind of taken on a life of their own. Like it feels like creating Frankenstein or something. And now it's really grown into this chocolate manufacturing company with these retail stores in Detroit and Ann Arbor and an online store, and it's really become its own its own thing. It's amazing. It's been really, I imagine that this is probably what it's like watching your kids grow up. It is amazing. It's absolutely incredible. Now, you and your friends had a great nickname. Talk to us a little bit about that. The Babes, Babes, Babes? Yes. <laughs> well, How did that okay, come so about? We had this neighbor. Um, <laughs> We called him Crazy Mike, but he preferred to be called Zulu, and we always said that that was case in point. And he saw all of these young people, boys and girls, coming into the store all the time, and he's like, he just thought everybody was so cute. And and here we were trying to make this chocolate shop work, and I can't tell you, I don't think we would exist without our neighbors in Hamtramck from like cute little old Polish ladies that were like, you know what, we're going to see your business work. I'm going to come here every Saturday to people dropping off. Like, we'd be staying in late, and they would drop off the rest of their dinner because they were worried that we weren't eating. And then there was Mike, who was like, you guys are just so darn cute. And so he started calling us the babes, 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 I think to kind of tease us for all being so young and eager. And it stuck. And to this day... Um, yeah, we are the babes, babes, babes. Oh, I love it. Now, what exactly is a bon, bon, bon? What's it made of? Okay, so we are specific. The reason why I came up with the name bon, 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 or why I liked it so much was bonbons have no real internationally accepted definition. So in some places, it means like a hard candy, or in the U.S., it's more commonly thought of as like an ice cream, like a chocolate-covered ice cream ball. Um but because it has no rules, and we, we generally are saying that it's a chocolate, usually a chocolate shell that's filled with something, but some of them are hard pieces with unique flavors. But having no definition and then and then being able to work with an open-ended assumption of what it is, just sort of incorporating chocolate as the medium means that we can go in any creative direction that we want. So what we're really trying to do with every piece is 
create a unique and thoughtful experience for the person who's eating it. And our only guidelines are that each bonbon has to be two things, which is delicious and accurate. So if it's a flavor that's kind of crazy, like we made a Coney dog one, like a Coney spice chocolate, then it has to be delicious. But it also has to actually taste like that. Like you can't take a bite and be like, wow, that's delicious, but I don't get the coniness. You have to taste it and be like, whoa, that's like a chocolate Coney dog. That's incredible. And, and have that moment with it. Otherwise, it just doesn't get out of our kitchen. Well, how many different varieties do you have? Well, over the years, we've done hundreds. Oh. But in the store at all times, we have 24. And then we have three rotating flavors that are rotating, one by the Zodiac, one by the month, and one seasonally. So there's always something different. And then we come out with these special collections. Sometimes they're collaborations with people. Sometimes it's just seasonal and something fun that we felt like doing because the strawberries were super fresh and they smelled so good and we couldn't help it. Um, it so there are extra fun things that will come in around that, but we always have our main staples of the favorites that are there all the time. It's just sometimes things get killed off that list and new things come and join it. What are the most popular bonbons? You know, people people's taste for chocolate, and this is really what I... I think, I'm not sure if I love chocolate or the way people interact with chocolate more, but it depends on the person so much because you'll have two people in line and one person will be a crazy white chocolate fanatic. Like, just, that is their thing. And the the person next to them will hate white chocolate and won't touch anything with it in it. So it depends on exactly who you are. But usually when people come in, we have them, we have them kind of start with, a few that we feel comfortable with, like that we know that most people are going to accept. So there's like Butter Butter Crunch, which is the milk chocolate with better made potato chips and sea salt. Or we'll do like Mustachio, which actually is a white chocolate piece, but it's in a dark chocolate shell. And then it has this Moscato caramel and pistachio ginduya. And ginduya is kind of like a nut butter mixed with chocolate. And um, that's a safe one to get people comfortable getting outside of their comfort zone where they might say, you know what? Like, Those are some weird flavors, but then when you try it all together, we feel really confident that people will like it. Oh, my goodness, Um, yes. But I I always like Cherry Lux as a good starter one, too, which is, it's a Michigan cherry confiture, which is sort of like a thicker, it's not like a cherry cordial, it's like a thicker, it's like the best dried cherry. You know when you're eating dried cherries out of a bag and you get Mm -hmm. a really good one? We, we get to sort of make it taste like that, and then it has a dark chocolate ganache over the top that's in a dark chocolate shell, and I think... Oftentimes when people haven't had Bon 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 before and they've had other chocolate, they might be like, you know what, I'm not a huge chocolate fan. But what we're really doing is using chocolate as the medium to get other flavors across. So very often what we hear from people is I don't really like chocolate, but I do like that. And so I think once they have one, then they understand the concept that we're going for. That isn't going to be this thing where you're like, oh, that's super chocolatey and it tastes a little bit like something else. It's more of a well-rounded flavor experience that happens to be taking place in chocolate. So how did you and the babes figure out how to make chocolate? You know, I was 19 and on study abroad when I thought I wanted to open an ice cream shop when I left high school because I'd worked at one and I loved it and I couldn't think of anything else I wanted to do. And I went on study abroad to Norway because that's where my grandma's adopted family's from. And and I ended up being able to go to some chocolate shops in Scandinavia and Europe. And the moment it hit me that it was chocolate and not ice cream, 
it started by going back to Michigan State and studying it through like an economic lens and then going to chocolate school in Chicago at the French Pastry School and then going to New Zealand and continuing to study as an economist and then I just really missed kitchens and um, so I ended up working at anywhere I could. Anyone who would take me, I would write letters to all of my heroes and most people wouldn't respond, but some would mm-hmm. and take whatever job I could because there's really, we do make chocolate, but but my degree in food science is actually probably more helpful because we aren't so reliant on on sort of antiquated things. So many chocolate shops are based on, you know, a caramel recipe that's 150 years old and more and more based on continual improvement, making sure that if we get feedback that we're able to respond to that and make it better and better and better. We always say we'll do the best we can with whatever resources we have at that time. And that's what I think really makes it unique and different is not only the learning that happened in order to be able to open the shop, but also the fact that that didn't stop when the shop opened. Oh, it's such a great story. You've been in business now, Alexandra Clark, founder of Bomb Bomb Bon, for 10 years. That's very impressive. What were some of the, you know, stumbling blocks that you had when you first started out? I think it's all stumbling. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Our first location was the back room of the Hampton at Coney Island, and it was the wrong way on on a one-way street. It was 650 square feet. It's like, it was not like the ideal retail location, but I think what happens is you you just keep stumbling. You get really good at stumbling and really comfortable with stumbling, whether it means learning how to. I mean, nobody, there's no playbook on how to get through a global pandemic as a chocolatier. And we were pretty open to, to that working anyway. And it ended up working out great for us. But I think because we are so willing to, to just keep failing and stumbling at things and not being good at them and learning from them and then keep trying again and it's it's maybe not the most it's not the cutest way to do it but it's working for us and i i really see business as getting paid for good grades like if you do it right then you don't lose money and you might even make money and if you do it wrong then you can't cry about spilt milk and you just keep going oh that's such great advice now you talked earlier about a team of people that kind of supported you and surrounded you. It sounds like you really believe that you need a team to be successful. Oh my gosh, yes. I I am nothing short of honored to be working with a team of people, especially the team of managers that I get to work with now. It's it's incredible to be surrounded by people that are so talented in so many different areas and have found a way to use this thing that you created in order to express themselves and in order to learn more about what they're curious about and the amount of talent and creativity and just genius that came from the seemingly most random places in the world and industries have sort of joined under this umbrella called Pon 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 to to create something just because they believe that, I mean, our motto's always been good people deserve good chocolate. And it seems so simple and sometimes it seems kind of futile, but but it means something. And it's really cool to get to work with a bunch of talented people on something that's trying to make things better in some small way. Do you also provide corporate gifts too? 
Yeah, we do. We do all kinds of corporate gifting and customization and weddings and and we have all kinds of special ways that we can really make gifting Bon 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 a personal experience, whether that's for a corporation or or if it's just a personal experience that you're trying to have for your friends or, or for guests at a big party. And how can people get in touch with you? The best way to get in touch with us is through our website, which is bonbonbon.com, or you can just email bonbonbon at bonbonbon.com, and we'll make sure that it gets to the right person right away. Sarah's on the line, ready to go five days a week from nine to five. So anytime you need us, we got you. And where are you located? Tell us about your locations. So we are our manufacturers in Hamtramck, but we have stores downtown in Parker's Alley, we have one in Midtown, certified Shinola and Third Man Records. And then we're at Eastern Market every Saturday. We're at Rust Belt Market in Ferndale. And then we have our shop in Ann Arbor in Nichols Arcade. It's such a great story. How many people do work for you at this point? We have like 50 people working. We're a real company. We're grown up. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> I love it. Well, Alexander Clark, founder of Bomb Bomb Bon, it was really great talking to you. All the best, and we'll look forward to checking in with you again. Same. Thank you so much. You are listening to Opportunity Detroit, brought to you by Rocket Mortgage. Coming up next, lots going on at Campus Martius this summer. We'll learn more right after this. are listening to Opportunity Detroit, brought to you by Rocket Mortgage. David Cowan, Chief Public Spaces Officer for the Downtown Detroit Partnership, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Anne, for having me on. And you know, David, there is so much going on at Campus Martius this spring and summer. I don't even know where to start. However, let's go with the beach days. Beach days are back in Detroit. Tell us about it. That's right. And, and the, the beach at Campus Martius Park is celebrating 10 years this year. So it's a big milestone. And certainly, you know, this is a special destination for Detroit. And uh, it, it really is a seasonal activity. It starts in May and goes all the way through October. And what I love about the beach at Campus Martius Park is that it's such a special and intergenerational place for people to come together. You know, kids can play in the sand. Uh, parents can, can have a cocktail at Brisa Bar nearby. And, you know, there's just so much to do. There's live music. And uh, it really is an oasis in the heart of Detroit. And it's become uh, really a, a staple for, for our summer programming series. You know, I've tried to, in my profession, sort of uh, mess with it and tinker with it over the years. But the public has made it very clear that they love their beach and they want it to, to continue on and be this incredible place where people from all walks of life and backgrounds from the city, uh, from all over the world, can come and converge on, on Detroit and start their, start their day or end their day here in Kiss Marshes Park. And if you think about it, it's pretty amusing to have a beach in a park in the middle of the city and people just absolutely love it. They're having a great time. Absolutely. And you know, the beach really came about initially as a placemaking vision inspired by the Paris Plage, oh. which if your, your, your listeners aren't familiar, it's a beautiful urban beach in Paris along the Seine River. And the wonderful folks at Project for Public Spaces, Southwest Airlines and Quicken Loans with DDP leading the charge really implemented this, uh, uh, which is been picked up really as a symbol of creativity 
uh, it really plays on the question of where where is this exactly? And when people find out that's Detroit, um, they're just wowed by that. And and the perception that Detroit has so much vibrancy uh, on the, on the ground is uh, is really special. And that's something that the Downtown Detroit Partnership really strives to create in in its work and in, in its place management work. And you know, we also want to point out that Campus Martius Park has been voted the number one public square in the United States. You guys have been working really hard. So this is a wonderful honor, David. Thank you so much for that. Yes, we're we're really thrilled to get that designation this year. And, uh, you know, Campus Martius really has inspired a lot of other cities from around the country uh, to, to um, you know, pick up the phone, give us a call to find out what's working here. I think the, the incredible public private partnership we have as a model for management and place organization is is really uh, uh, been been key to our success. You know, we've got wonderful relationships with the city of Detroit, uh, our partners there. And, you know, a lot of folks don't know that the Downtown Detroit Partnership is a nonprofit organization. And and we have been behind the transformation of downtown Detroit, certainly for the last 20 years. If the parks and public spaces have really emerged in a beautiful way. But we're a hundred year old organization. So we were established in 1922. Uh, we've been at uh, um, making Detroit a, a great place to, to, to live, work and play for, for over a hundred years now. So we, uh, we certainly have evolved into a place management organization over the past 20 years with, of course, Campus Martius Park being the first to open for us in 20, uh, 2003. And you know, then we've had a number of other iconic and beautiful spaces join DDP's placemaking repertoire, including Beacon Park with our partners at DTE, Cadillac Square, just adjacent to Campus Martius, Grand Circus Park, Capitol Park, the Woodward Esplanade, and, and others, and I'm sure more in the future as well. It sure sounds like it. Now, a really cool thing is coming up uh, beginning of June, June 9th, Market Fridays at Cadillac Square. Talk about that. That sounds fun. Thank you. Yes, we have a uh, over 2,500 visitors to Cadillac Square a day just for lunchtime alone. And, and of course, we've got our Downtown Street Eats program, which is a collection of 80 local food trucks that are on display every single uh, weekday from Monday through Friday. And on Fridays, over 20 uh, local small entrepreneurs and artisans come out and create this really incredible and vibrant marketplace at Cadillac Square. And not a lot of uh, people know that that Cadillac Square was the site of Detroit's original central marketplace in the mid-1800s. So Cadillac Square in and of itself has been this vibrant marketplace uh, uh, for, for literally over 150 years. And it's incredible to see the legacy of commerce happen at Cadillac Square. Uh, a lot of folks know our work with the, the downtown Detroit winter markets that pop up in November and yes, head into very uh, January. Yeah, and uh, also the night market at Beacon Park and, you know, giving opportunities to folks to participate and to get, uh, um, uh, you know, a lot of brand exposure for their business and earn some revenue is really a key um, a key mission point for us at DDP. And we've had folks that have started off in a 10 by 10 pop-up tent, earn enough revenue through the market program to then buy a food truck or a cart if, they, if that's what they'd like. And then from a food truck and a cart, earning revenue there to then purchase a brick and mortar. And, and we've had it go in the reverse as well. So established businesses that have a brick and mortar that want a little more flexibility have purchased a, a food cart or participated on our markets on Friday. So you're actually helping entrepreneurs get their start in a lot of ways. 
That's right. You know, 4 million visitors come through uh, Campus Marshes Park every single year. So it is, it is a place to, uh, to, to really experiment and see what, what's working and, and uh, you know, really put your products out there for the market and to, to really learn, uh, take your, your business to the next level. And, um, yeah, it's a great opportunity that we'd love to preserve for small businesses. And I know something else that is coming up that is very important to you is the 2023 Grand Prix in the Parks. Tell our listeners about this. I think it is such a cool idea. So true. And what a labor of love for the Grand Prix team. They've done a phenomenal job of getting the race uh, back to the streets of downtown Detroit. And we're so excited about this and to team up uh, um, with, with their team to produce the small business straight away at Cadillac Square. Uh, just, again, building upon the legacy of Cadillac Square is this great place for entrepreneurs, for marketplaces. And, uh, yeah, there's going to be 30 small businesses out there on race day, Saturday and Sunday. And it's just going to be a fun time. We're having a watch party of the Grand Prix races right on the big screen. Of course, you're only a short walk to the track as well. And there are many parts of the race uh, that are free and really accessible this year for people to come down and watch. And, uh, yeah, we just couldn't be more thrilled about the impact uh, that the Grand Prix will bring both from a, from a civic pride standpoint, from a social connectivity standpoint, but also uh, supporting small business. Oh, it's a wonderful thing. It'll be interesting to see how people take advantage of being able to watch the race and have some fun in the parks, David Cowan. That's right. I think we're going to see a lot of new visitors that haven't been to a race before. So I like to remind everyone it is loud, and uh, now <laughs> you've got the buildings uh, with sound echoing off of it. So there's definitely uh, going to be a lot of excitement. And, um, yeah, you, you, won't, you won't be able to miss it if you're in downtown Detroit that weekend. And certainly uh, we're proud to fold the parks into that greater campus of activity uh, and create a really wonderful connected experience. You've also got some really special Juneteenth celebrations that will be taking place right around June 19th. Can you also speak to that? I, I can, yeah. So really proud to, um, to do several things uh, for, for Juneteenth this year. Uh, one of probably going to be the most popular in terms of turnout is we're showing as part of our Movie Night in the D series, Wakanda Forever. Uh, which is a really special film. Um, we're, we're having an African drum circle prior to that within the Namdi Center. Um, we've, we've got the, the Poet Laureate uh, of Detroit, newly named, joining our, our, our lineup here for the movies this summer as well. That's going to do some, some reading and pieces. And um, just an incredible uh, uh, opportunity for Detroit to come together and see that film live on the big screen in the heart of downtown. And, um, yeah, in addition to that, we've got, as part of our market series, uh, Black Owned Business Showcase uh, that goes throughout the weekend and really, um, you know, uh, going to be playing a, a key role with our partners and friends over at the NAACP on something really exciting that I, I'll encourage people to stay tuned for. <laughs> so David Cowan is with us. He is the Chief Public Spaces Officer for the Downtown Detroit Partnership. And David, this must be kind of fun for you to see people coming back into the city, getting together again after the pandemic. It is. Yeah. So, you know, when Campus Martius was first being constructed, downtown Detroit was uh, um, empty in a lot of That's cases. True. You're it, right. it was really void of a lot of energy and, and, and things to do. So key to 
DDP's programming strategy has always been we need to give people a reason to come to the heart of downtown Detroit. And so that's why we're so heavily programmed. That's why we care about and produce just under 2,000 events a year. And that really comes from our desire to, uh, you know, be creative and offer a vibrant community where, um, you know, we keep visitors coming back time and time again. So that's been key to our strategy for a long time. Certainly, we got busier during the pandemic because everyone was out and about in parks and public yeah, spaces. And, and really, uh, uh, you know, was looking to, to get out and enjoy the fresh air. And, and um, so our, our foot traffic increased during the, the pandemic by 40 percent. So we didn't, we didn't miss a beat. We, we continued our programming uh, for the public, which is not, by the way, 95 percent of our programming is free and open to everyone. And, um, you know, we really continued that with, with smaller capacities. We got creative on how the events were designed. And so we just, we just kept going. And, um, of course, with safety measures in place, but we were we we just kept the momentum alive. And I think that was important as people relied on tradition and in some semblance of normalcy to and and really springboarded us into this next chapter. You know, David, the downtown Detroit partnership seems to always be looking for the next big thing to work on in the city of Detroit to make things even better. Do you have anything that you are currently working on or getting ready to work on that you can talk about? Absolutely. So, uh, you know, I've, I've been really excited about some of the bids we've collaborated on with the Detroit Sports Commission and Visit Detroit for yes. some really large-scale events that are that are going to be coming to downtown Detroit, some of which have been announced and we're thrilled about, and others uh, aren't quite announced yet. But uh, the NFL draft is, is, is a big one, and that's uh, coming to Detroit um, in April of next year. Uh, so that, that's going to be a phenomenal opportunity to showcase Detroit on a, on a national stage and welcome hundreds of thousands of visitors into the downtown core. Uh, and, you know, of course, celebrate our, our own home team momentum here with the Lions doing so well. And, you know, I was joking with uh, our friends in Kansas City. I said, we're going to have the same situation that you did this year where we're going to win the Super Bowl, and then we're going to host the draft in the same year. So it's, <laughs> it's really, uh, really going to be a spectacular event. And then through that, through that, uh, that win, more and more large-scale events are, are really eyeing downtown Detroit. And, of course, you know, can't understate Grand Prix's momentum um, in, in building that as well. Jazz Fest as well, who's, who's been building uh, for, for quite a while as well. So the Final Four has announced that it's coming to downtown Detroit in 2027, another huge uh, uh, destination and big, big event win for downtown. And we're just thrilled to be able to not only host but um, – but really get creative with how these events are, are designed and, and accessed by everyone throughout the city. And you know what else is really big for downtown and has been for a long time would be Tony Michaels with the Ford Fireworks. That's a huge oh, absolutely. event. Absolutely. Yeah, Tony and his team with the parade, the Ford Fireworks, and just all everything they do year-round. Year I mean, you know, the, a lot of people don't realize the parade company has these wonderful initiatives all throughout the year. And so, yeah, of course, we, we have such a great base of, of uh, industry experts who have been building this event community in Detroit. And, you know, personally, I'm just thrilled to, to have, have uh, been around them, have learned from them. Many of them have been mentors and, and have really, uh, really uh, have enjoyed a lot of their hard work. And, you know, watching that now be told on such a national scale with the USA Today Award, with some of these larger event wins, 
it's pretty it's pretty great. Oh, David Cowan, Chief Public Spaces Officer for the Downtown Detroit Partnership. You have a great job, and it was really nice for you to join us today and talk about it. Thank you so much, Ann. You are listening to Opportunity Detroit, brought to you by Rocket Mortgage. Coming up next, a conversation about the Eastern Market. I just love going to the Eastern Market whenever I get a chance, but at this time of the year, it's a magical place with all of the beautiful flowers and vegetables. Kim Corona, Program Manager for Veg Michigan, I think you would agree with me on that point. You know, I really do. I've actually been out there several times this summer, and it's just been wonderful. And um, actually, the uh, the organization I work for, the big event that we have coming up, is actually paired with the launch of their new Sunday market. Um, which just happened uh, for the first time last year. And so uh, we'll we'll be doing our um, big veg fest, which is our biggest event of the year, alongside Eastern Market's Sunday Market that features um, local artisans and musicians and uniquely Detroit and Michigan-made products. So it's the 22nd annual veg fest. It is returning to Historic Eastern Market on Sunday, June 4th. A hundred vendors at this event, Kim? Yes, we have nearly 100 vendors. It's like a wonderful summer festival, Um, you know, things that you would expect at any summer festival. And what makes this unique is that all the food being offered is delicious plant-based foods, everything from savory foods uh, that are ready to eat to packaged specialty items to desserts and lots of different kinds of drinks, smoothies, and specialty juices. And in addition to the food vendors, we have sustainable shopping, we have um, a kid's zone, and uh, we have nonprofit organizations from the community who will be showcasing the important work they do. So, Kim, plant-based eating has kind of really exploded in popularity. It's a big deal for a lot of people. Can you talk a little bit about that? And that may explain why VegFest has become so big. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Um, so last year we had around five or 6,000 people, and this year we're expecting just as many, if not more. And I think the reason that it has really just exploded so much is because people are really recognizing that a lot of us need to add uh, plant-based foods into our diet to get really important nutrients. So plant foods like vegetables, fruits, grains, legumes, beans, nuts, and seeds, are filled with important micronutrients, uh, vitamins, minimal minerals, phytonutrients, antioxidants, and fiber. And so people are saying, I want to add more of that to my diet so that I can help to reduce my chance of suffering from chronic disease. And I'm, a lot of people are also recognizing that our diet is uh, tied to a lot of environmental issues, particularly uh, the climate crisis, and that uh, plant-based foods tend to use uh, less land, water, and energy to be produced, and they tend to contribute less to greenhouse gases, particularly uh, beef and cheese. And so people are saying, hey, I want to add more plant-based foods to my diet. It's giving me good nutrients. It's reducing my carbon footprint, and it's kind to animals, too. Um, But something I like to share is that eating plant-based is actually not really something new. I recently took a course on um, social justice in our food system, and Claudia Serrato, who's an indigenous anthropologist and indigenous Mesoamerican traditional plant-based chef, 
talks about growing up cooking with her elders. And she explains that the vast majority of her ancestors' food was plant-based and that the plant-based ethic of today is rooted in indigenous food ways. And so many diverse cultures uh, really have plant-centric foods as part of their, um, their tradition. And, you know, Kim Corona, Program Manager for Veg Michigan, I think people need to realize that in 2023, there are some really good plant-based meals out there that don't really taste like just a plain vegetable. Yeah, you know, this is such a good point. Um, You know, I've been eating plant-based for over 20 years personally. And when I started eating plant-based, a lot of people thought, um, you know, my family thought, like, are you just going to be eating, like, salad every day? Right. But to be honest, exactly. But actually, when I started eating plant-based, it actually widened my palate because I started eating so many more diverse foods than I ever had. So when you come to this festival, I can't even tell you the wide variety of things to try. Italian subs, tacos, Indian food, pasta, um, burgers, fries, pizza, cauliflower wings, pierogies, Donuts, cinnamon rolls, cakes, fudge, ice cream, mousse, popsicles, smoothies. I mean, the list goes on. So we have everything from, like, some really, really healthy things. We have a wonderful vendor, Plant of Detroit, who grows local greens, and they're going to be passing those out to really savory things like vegan ribs. So it's just the the gamut is so wide, and, um, you know, you can just find anything you want. I really encourage people, if they're new to plant-based eating, think of your favorite food and just go online and search to find a plant-based version of it, and it will be there. There are plant-based versions of pretty much every single food you can think of these days. So talk a little bit about Veg Michigan. How long has Veg Michigan been around? Yeah, so the organization has actually been around 22 years, the same as the festival, And it started off as an all-volunteer organization, and their focus was having these veg fests um, so that people could try plant-based food and hear some educational talks about plant-based eating and just learn more about it. And in those 22 years, they've really built a community of supporters and members and followers. And, you know, we have a really inclusive uh, community where we're saying whoever you are, whether you're totally new to this and you're veg-curious, you've been eating plant-based for a long time, like, you're welcome to come along. And we just, you know, we're not here to tell people what's right or wrong. Our diets are based in our culture and our family traditions and our habits, um, what's practical and accessible and affordable for us. So we're just saying wherever you are, you know, there's different reasons to consider eating plant-based, and there's easy ways to do it. So, you know, we've been around a long time just trying to support people who are interested in plant-based eating And if you've been eating plant-based and maybe you don't know anyone else, you can have a community because we eat together, right? So people want to eat this way with other people or they want to learn from other people. And, uh, you know, we we do educational events and we do fun events. Sometimes we have meetups where people can just come together and try different foods that maybe they've never tried before. And then we also have in-person and virtual presentations so people can attend a cooking demo and learn more about how to eat plant-based. Um, They can go to a presentation and learn about some of the reasons to eat plant-based. So people come to uh, Veg Michigan for all different reasons. They might want to learn about how to eat more plant-forward to improve their health. They might be concerned about the way that animals are treated, particularly on large-scale farms um, that are known as concentrated animal feeding operations. 
and they're, they might be concerned about the um, heavy toll that large animal uh, agribusiness has on the environment. And so we'll have different talks on these different topics so people can learn. And then we try to say wherever you are, if you're interested, there's easy entry points. It is not all or nothing. You know, some people try Meatless Mondays or Dairy-Free Tuesdays or Plant-Based Wednesdays. You know, what, whatever you want to try, we're just encouraging you to kind of think about, you know, where am I now? And based on this information I have, if I want to add some more plant-based meals to my diet, there's easy ways to do it, and there's a lot of benefits. And I have a feeling that a lot of health experts have embraced Veg Michigan because you can make a difference with someone's health by just adding a few more vegetables, right, Kim Corona? Yes, exactly, exactly. Just a few extra dark leafy greens or, you know, some some fruits is going to be really good for us. So we have partnered with uh, several doctors and uh, nutritionists to um, talk about some of the benefits of adding some more plants into your diet. And uh, we really encourage people to go to Veg Michigan's YouTube channel. So if you haven't been able to see those talks in the past, we've recorded them. So whatever you're looking for, if you want to hear a particular, you know, like a talk from a doctor or a nutritionist, uh, you can go on there and find those. And, um, you know, when I say easy uh, to eat this way, I just mean that there's um, different simple ways that we can try to add plant-based. But I also recognize for some people, if they live in an area where there's not a lot of access mm, true. to, uh, you know, vegetables in their neighborhood, you know, we, we really understand that and we recognize that. And so um, one of the nutritionists we partnered with, Chantel Singer, she did a video, um, like, plant-based on a budget, and she talks about making a soup on a really low budget um, with some simple veggies that hopefully you could find um you know, wherever you're living. But, you know, even that, I recognize some people have difficult with access. And that's actually part of the reason, um, really recently, in addition to promoting the benefits of plant-based eating, Veg Michigan has co-founded an organization, Michiganders for a Just Farming System Coalition. And we co-founded that with Attorneys for Animals and some other groups um, to say, you know, we want to work on some structural levels to make plant-based eating more accessible. So one of the things we're working on is um, informing people about the upcoming farm bill and saying, you know, what are ways that we can maybe make some changes in the farm bill to make um, plant-based eating more accessible and more affordable and more equitable so that everyone has access to, to more plants in their diet. Kim Corona, Program Manager for Veg Michigan, thank you so much for spending time with us today and convincing us to eat our vegetables. Well, thank you so much, Anne. It's been a real pleasure. Have a great event at the Eastern Market on June 4th. I'm Ann Thomas. Thank you for listening to Opportunity Detroit, and enjoy the rest of your weekend.